Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Okay, go Bundes Brothers, it's time to grab life big and put your money where your mouth is and get signed up for some bucket list adventures in 2017. Here's the BLR, Bucket List Rundown. Indeed, Mr. Smead, the first thing we got going up is Snowwater, British Columbia, hella skiing. The guys that went last year said it was un. Freaking real. Unreal. March 15th to 20th, Snowwater, British Columbia. Then we got a champions only couples trip. If you are a champion, which by the way is 5 million net worth. Is it five? Yeah, I believe. 5 million net worth above. Napa Valley with your wife. Napa Valley wine tasting with your wife. April 20th, 23rd. Then what I got, uh, I also got another champion self-reliance trip, which is uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail at the very last uh, five or six days of it, Mount Katahdin. That's in Bangor, Maine on June 7th through the 11th. Then we got August 17th to 22nd, we got a special Fambundance Jackson Hole, Wyoming Solar Eclipse. Bring your kids and let them learn about the solar system. More specifically, the solar eclipse that's going to take place and uh, they may never see it again. You may never see it again in your lifetime. Solar eclipse is going to happen on Jackson Hole, August 17th to 22nd. Then we have South Africa, baby. Yes, South Africa, man, that is bucket list item crazy. You got like seven or six or seven bucket list items on there. Swimming with the sharks. Of course, safari. The volunteering in, in Cape Town, in the ghettos of Cape Town. Just incredible trip planned on that. Uh, September 24th through October 4th. And we're working on a, a the end part of that, adding a uh, couples. If you want to have your wife fly down or your girlfriend fly down for the end part of that and a little special thing on the end, we got that working too. And then, of course, we got the GoBundance Elite Couples Trip. In Placencia, Belize, in uh, a really nice, uh, probably a key right uh, off of Belize in Belize, an amazing couples trip that I, I heard amazing things. A lot of people last year said it was the best trip they've ever been on. So that is uh, November 4th through 11th. Any of these you want to sign up for, you know, reach out to Melanie and just let Melanie know, you know, you're in and she'll collect your money or uh, shoot you in the right direction. So uh, thanks, guys, and uh, enjoy the show. Grab life big. 
All right, go bros. I got Mr. Adam Roach in the house. What's Adam. up, everybody? Hey, Adam, let's start this off right, buddy. Why don't you give everybody a five-minute rundown of your life story from the day you were born till today? The day I was born, five minutes. Are right, you ready? Here we go. So I was born in southern Indiana in a place called Vincennes, Indiana. If anybody knows where that is, text me right now and I'll send you, uh, I'll send you a prize. That is small town Hick, Indiana. Uh, I attended Indiana University. I was a college tennis player. I studied business. I was a computer information systems guy. I was a programmer. Those were the 90s, right? Everybody wanted to be a dot-com guy. And uh, then I played some professional tennis. Found out real quick, though, I was an American, not a European. Got my ass handed to me all the damn time. And I thought, I think I'm a better business person than I probably am a uh, competitive tennis player. So I actually got into the tennis business because one of my last, one of my last uh, events was in um, SoCal. And uh, so I was actually sleeping on a futon, was the first purchase I ever made uh, out of college, in a kitchen of one of my buddies. And the uh, first place I found the phone book as it related to tennis in L.A., there was no A tennis. There was B tennis, and that's for Beverly Hills tennis. And I faxed in my resume. Yep, that's old school. Faxed it in. And uh, they said, hey, your resume speaks for itself, boy. Come on in here. Let's chat. So I get in there thinking I'm going to teaching tennis to the stars, right? Southern Indiana boy, actually <laughs> raised in Indianapolis and found out real quick that this was not a teaching tennis position. This was a clerical position. So I said, what the hell do I have to lose? I have nothing to lose. I got nothing to do in here in L.A. except for uh, play tennis and stay outside. And uh, so I did. I took the job and made $7.50. I'll never forget what my stepfather said. He said, you've got two choices, boy. He said, the first choice is to stay out there and realize you're in one of the most expensive cities in the world and you're making $7.50 an hour. And, well, you have a college degree and you're a professional tennis player. So your choice, you stay out there and uh, don't ever ask for money or you come home and get a real job, right? Well, screw him. I stayed out there. And within uh, two years, I was tournament director, adult league coordinator. Uh, when I was a clerk, people would call in and say they wanted to take a lesson with one of the pros. I'd put it in my pocket. I would leave. I would call them on the side and teach them on a side court. And they were like, you're a badass. <laughs> wait a minute. Wanna... Wait a minute. Did that really happen? That really did happen. Yeah. That's so, how I started. So cash. you were a receptionist, essentially. Yep. yep. And they would say, I would like to you know, have one of the pros teach me. Yep. You'd be like, okay, I'll have one call you back. Yep. And then you'd call them back and be like, hi, oh, this is Adam Roach. I'm one of the pros here. I heard you called. And yep. then you'd book something with them. And would you, like, would you, they pay you cash? I mean, what, how'd that work? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were doing it on a side court, not at the club. And uh, yeah, they pay me cash. They pay me cash and I'd teach them lessons. And the next thing you know, I built up a clientele base. Did you um, ever get busted? Nope. Because I'll tell you why. Because I became general manager of the club. And then everybody moved. Everybody moved that were my clients on the outside courts moved over to uh, Beverly Hills Tennis, and uh, well, that's kind of how I started my tennis teaching career. So I became. Uh, I literally had my hand in every facet of that business, and within four years of running it, we took it from absolutely nothing to something that was badass in all of uh, SoCal, and they actually gave me five percent equity of the club. And so I went from making $7.50 to owning 5% of this club in Beverly Hills. And here was this Southern Indiana boy, still not knowing what the hell he was doing in SoCal, but I was having fun, right? Fast forward, now it's in the 2000s, and uh, I meet this woman on the beach. And about three months into dating, she says, you should buy a house. 
I said, you're from the South. You should not push me into marriage. And she goes, no, you idiot. I'm a lender. Wake up. Everyone's buying and selling real estate. I said, I have no clue what that means. I'm a tennis pro. And she said, well, here, here's what we're going to do. It's 2002. It's called a liar loan. It's called 100% financing and a stated loan program. You just state your income and the bank will give you all the money that you need. So I said, okay, fine. You have to find the house. I'll fill out the loan application. Let's see what happens. My first house I bought when I was 25 years old was $480,000 and we were in Valencia, California. Fast forward about four years removed from that, we had flipped probably about seven properties and uh, we got married in that meantime. And let's see here, I was still running the tennis club and then I actually got into general brokerage sales and I was with Keller Williams in the Beverly Hills office and on a team. And then my lovely wife at the time, she said, um, well, you realize we're not going to raise our kids in SoCal because we're going to raise them in the South. And I thought, hmm, I don't think I remember that conversation. But you know what? We can make anything happen anywhere. So then fast forward a little bit. I lost the argument. We wound back up in shitville. No, I shouldn't say that. Back up in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was a team leader of a Keller Williams office there. Uh, was not afforded opportunity to buy into that because I wanted to stay in business ownership. And so I moved down to Charleston, South Carolina, June of 2013, where I was afforded the opportunity to buy into a Keller Williams franchise. And I now own 20% of this franchise in Charleston, South Carolina. In the meantime, I created a software company that is a dot-com uh, within the structure of communication for recruiting purposes. And that software is now being used by nearly 75% of all of the Keller Williams offices in North America and actually around the world where we generate over, let's see here, we took that company from zero, literally a napkin, uh, to over a million dollars in revenue in a short 24-month period. And uh, so those companies are all still rocking and rolling to this day, Pat. That's great, buddy. That's great. And I love, uh, you know, we're going to need to dig deeper into that how you went from zero to a million bucks in revenue, because that's hard to do with any company. You know, most sure. companies lose their ass the first 24 months. So, you oh. know, I mean, so that's a good story. I want to find out more. But first, let's get into some some downright go abundant style nitty gritty. What percentage are you? Got it. So I ended 2016 at 105%. Oh, sweet. You busted 100. You busted 100. Good for you. Congratulations. You are now financially free. Yes, sir. All right. And uh, so what is Adam Roach's horizontal income? So through 2015, uh, 2016, it was uh, $414,227. Say it again. Four fourteen. Four fourteen. yes. Okay. And does that, does that include Recruiting Bridge or is that without Recruiting Bridge? Uh, that, is, that is inclusive of Recruiting Bridge. It's also 20% of ownership in this market center. Uh, that is profit share as well. And that's it. So, okay, that's good. It's great numbers, 40 grand a month or 35 grand a month. Now, now with Recruiting Bridge, do you pay yourself a salary on that? No. Okay. And you count that horizontally because you're not involved or, or yeah. why, why isn't that on the vertical list would be so what I, some people that, might be asking. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So I broke down my time value of money. I really want to see where I was putting my time. And I broke down that 6% of my time, if you will, allocated over a month period was spent in Recruiting Bridge. 
Um, so I have, we have one, two, three, we've got four staff person. I have a partner who is the developer and then we do have, we do have contractors who are developers as well. So, you know, the majority of my time is spent being a team leader in the Keller Williams system and recruiting bridge. I will just do a webinar here and there to teach people. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So what is your vertical income then? So vertical 2016 was 302,000. Okay. And uh, what's your net worth? Uh, net worth as of 2016 was about $2.4 million. Okay. And did you put a value on Recruiting Bridge? We did, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and what was the multiple you used? Uh, I believe we used a four times. No, we used a seven times earning. Seven. And, and is that what software companies go for? Seven? Uh-huh. Yes. So, so basically, if you're making 800 times seven is 42, 4.2 4. million? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So that's so that's mainly where most of your do you own any rental properties? I do not know. Okay. Not so yet. that that's all your all your horizontal is from the real estate office and recruiting bridge. Correct, yes. Okay, cool. What is your giving back ratio? So if you made, you know, 700, which you did essentially, and you mm-hmm. gave back $70,000 to charity, your giving back ratio is 10%. What is that approach's giving back ratio? Well, so last year, it's funny because this year going forward, uh, it was 50,000 was the goal. And I do have a goal of within, before I'm 50 years old, to be able to give away a million dollars a year. Mm, so last year, we gave. Good one, good one. So yeah. you gave 50, so you're at about 8%. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And are you investing in anything new today? Uh, as of right now, another another Keller Williams franchise. Okay. And- as of that's that's it right now. Is that local? Um, is that local to South Carolina or is it far away? It is uh-huh. local. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So you know the the six pillars that we yep. have. Um, mm-hmm. Which pillar does Adam suck at? Hmm. <laughs> that's a good one. So we've got what age defined health, authentic relationships, horizontal income, extreme accountability, genuine contributions, and bucket list. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to say probably the last two bucket list adventures and, and fine, uh, genuine contribution. And, and how can your go bros help you with those two? Uh, you know what? It's, it's, I think number one is, um, you know, with the gen, with, with the genuine contribution is knowing where I want to give. So I think one of the areas, so my mother is a, a breast cancer survivor and my father has Parkinson's right now. And those, those, both of those, uh, causes are near and dear to the heart as it relates to clearly finding a cure. My father is big in what's called rock steady boxing. And that is, uh, you know, it's, it's a boxing segment, if you will, specifically for Parkinson's patients. And I really want to, my intention there is to become a huge contributor to that, which is, you know, helping these Parkinson's patients live longer as they can continue to exercise and, well, quite frankly, create um, age-defined health. So, so just to visualize this, so, you know, Parkinson's, that's what Michael J. Fox has, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, you, like Michael J. Fox and your dad would get into a boxing ring and they would box and, and that helps them. I mean, how, you, you know, tell me about that. Yeah, so no, absolutely. So it's, it's one of the most fascinating things that I've seen. So there's a few forms of Parkinson's from what I've understood, you know, that you've got the tremors of the shakes, you've got the tightness. 
And and that's what they do. So Rocksteady is solely only for Parkinson's patients. And you watch these patients walk in, and they have all that. They've got the trimmers. They drag their feet, you know. However, when that bell dings, these guys literally transform, and they get after it. So, so the aspect of the physical movement, it elongates the muscles, and, and it helps the synapses fire. And that, I mean, my father, he's, um, you know, God bless him. He's, he's what is he, 67, 68 years old. I mean, he's a triathlete. He was a, a, a Olympic swim coach. I mean, he's pretty much the one that kicked my ass all the way to where I am now. And, and you know, when he's not boxing, he's slow. And But when he's boxing, I mean, he and I, when he comes to South Carolina, we'll go to the gym. And he makes me put on pads. I've actually posted on Facebook. And I put it on YouTube, uh, a little little video that I created of him just kicking my ass. And, and when he stops, though, you know, he gets slow again. But when he's boxing, it's, it's all out because the brain is firing at a, a much faster rate because he's kind of moving. Because you're in a flight or flight mode, fight or yeah. flight mode, right? So is this controversial? No, not really. Uh, it's I mean, like there's become- no doctors that would say that would say to you, you know, say to rock steady, this is preposterous. You know, you shouldn't be, you know, you could, you could make it worse. You can injure, you could injure the poor guy. You know, right. it's not controversial in that sense. No, from the, from the, on the contrary, it's actually becoming a lot more mainstream. So I believe when my father joined, uh, there might've been like, cause I think it was actually created and founded in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so he, there might've been like two gyms and now, I don't think they franchised it, but they've, 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 let's just call it incorporated. So now it has expanded into numerous states. I don't know how many states and I don't know how many gyms there are, but I know it's gone from two to like 40. That's really, you know, that's got, uh, in my opinion, that's got a lot of soul. Like that, that charity has a lot of soul. It's very unique. It's very different. Most people would never heard of it. I could tell that, you know, your energy, like you come to life when you tell that story, when you talk about it. If I were you, I would just take the 50 grand or 100 grand or whatever it is you're going to do every year and just give it all to that. I don't think yeah. you have any problem figuring out where to give it to. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're I right. I mean, everybody gives a breast cancer already, so there's not a lot of soul there, you know, with regards right. to something u- unique for Adam, you know? Right, right. That's awesome. That's that's Thanks. great. Thanks for sharing that. And I hope your dad continues to get better. And um, maybe I'll, if he comes to um, uh, South Carolina, I'll come and watch him kick your ass. Cool. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what are your 10-year goals? Gotcha. So the next goal, so my, I had a goal uh, five years ago when I turned 40 was to be at a half a million dollars of passive income. Well, I turned 40 February 13th, so I was just a little shy. Uh, so the next goal will be to hit a million dollars in passive income. Well, I put by 2019 is the intention. Uh, and I actually just whiteboarded yesterday how to get to four and a half million dollars or $400,000 a month through a new system that I'm creating. So big goal 10 years from now. Uh, so I'll be 50 years old. You know, let's see here. My boy, he'll be, uh, my boy will be 18. Holy shit. My daughter will be um, 16. So it's to continue to be you know, first and foremost, dad, giving to them as much as I possibly can uh, unconditionally, both from a loving and caring and growing standpoint. Uh, you know, here, here's a quick story about that. I, I love, I love, I mean, every father loves their kids. And I love what I've been taught in my role to be able to learn to ask questions. Both my kids play tennis. And uh, my son is number 34. He's eight years old. And he's number 34 in South Carolina in boys' tenant unders. And I saw him the other day before he went on to match. And I could tell that he was a little nervous this time. 
And I asked him, I said, now, you know what's going on in your head? He says, Dad, I'm afraid to lose. I said, well, tell me what that means to you. He says, well, I'm just afraid to get on the court and not play my best. And I said, okay, what can we do to overcome that? I said, because you've gone on the court and you've kicked some ass before and, and, and you didn't have that. I said, what was different? And he said, well, I knew I could beat that guy. I said, well, so do you know that you can or can't beat this guy? He said, well, I don't know. I've never played him. I said, so what can you do? And so here's this eight-year-old, right? This eight-year-old is telling me um, what his intentions are when he gets on the court when he is scared or, as he said, fearful. I said, so what are you going to do? I said, you got to figure out an anchor on how to get past that. He said, Dad, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk on the court, and if I feel scared, I'm going to hit some balls, but then I'm going to start doing arm circles. I said, you're going to do arm circles? He said, yeah. He goes, when I do arm circles, because we have this little thing when he's on the court, if I turn my hat backwards on the sidelines, that means it's time to kick it into another gear and kick some ass, right? And he loves turning his hat backwards. So let me share this story real quick. So I'm watching him, and he's really tight, right? And this kid that he's playing is 10 years old, uh, and he's a hell of a player. And so Addison looks at me, and I could tell he was a little nervous. And I shit you not, in between changeovers, he turns his racket down, and he starts doing arm circles with his right arm. And then as he's walking to the other side of the court, he takes his rat, he takes his hat and he turns it backwards. And I haven't done this yet. And I hadn't turned my hat backwards. And he turned his hat backwards, and I'll be damned if he didn't crush that kid 6-2. He walked off the court with the biggest shit-eating smile on his face, and that literally was all I needed as a father to know that my boy was 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 heading in the right direction. So 10-year plan is to continue to pour into them and, and make them the best kids possible. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great story. I love it. The the whole anchor Anthony Robbins thing and, you know, and, and for him to do it without you turning your hat backwards. Right. Oh, it was awesome because it was just a trigger and it worked. So, so back to net worth, I, I want to, my intention is here. I have this all written down. Let me pull out my one sheet. Um, is to create 10 millionaires uh, in the next 10 years. Uh, let's see here. My goal by 2019, as I said, is a million dollars of passive income. Uh, I'm going to continue to keep the uh, health that I have. Uh, GB9, uh, 247, I need to get it up. My intention is to get it up to 300, but within 10 years, hell, I could probably be at 500, right? <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I mean, that that's, again, Without having it all written down, I've got the one sheet. Yeah, that's great. What so like to tell me? Let's talk a little bit about health since you started it. How much did you weigh? One seventy-five. What's your uh, body fat? Nine point eight. Nine point eight. Nine point eight. Yes. At forty years old, that's fucking awesome. And <laughs> not bad. How, okay, so how do you do that? What do you eat? So I'm a pretty clean eater. You know, I, I eat. You know, in the morning I juice and I eat fruit. Uh, throughout the day, I'll snack on bars, and then I'll eat, you know, a pretty big lunch that will include salad and some form of a of a, of a chicken or an egg or some sort. Uh, and then dinner, you know, dinner dinner is sushi, or or sometimes I'll eat, uh, you know, some some good meat and protein. I, I don't do a lot of breads. Uh, I don't do a lot of beer. Uh, I do have a tendency to drink a lot of bourbon, but outside of that, it's just it's just consuming properly. I do have a a, a trainer that I go to. But I hit the gym. You know, my goal is to, my intention is to hit the gym about 250 times a year. And I track it literally every single day. 250 times a year. So, you know, you got a yeah. hundred, you say about one every, you know, every other day, essentially. Yeah. And, and then, um, I don't do the weekends. And here, here's a funny story about tracking it real quick. Um, so my trainer the other day was like, listen, we're on a whole new set of 10. I was like, no, we're not. I said, uh, we're only at number eight. He goes, no, no, I got in my calendar. I said, let me tell you, I pull out my tracking system and my tracking system literally looks like this. You know, January 2, uh, 2017, 2 of 250. 
I literally do that every single morning when I get home after I've gone to the gym. I said, I pulled it out. I said, listen, I've been tracking my days of going to the gym for like the last six years. And I put an asterisk every time you and I meet. And look, we're on number eight. He's like, holy shit, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to rip you off, man. (laughs) What? um, Okay, a couple things come to mind. First of all, what is the bars that you eat? So Lara bars are pretty much what I consume. Which which one? Which Lara bars? Because there's a million of them. Uh, You know what? I like the apple pie. Uh, I like the, uh, the, the peanut butter and the, um, uh, peanut butter and peanut, chocolate, peanut butter and chocolate, uh, the chocolate that's, chip. That's yeah. the one that I like. And they also got one, uh, actually they sell at earth fair over there in uh, Charleston that, um, it's called superfoods and it's like dates and it's all fruit. It's all, you know, there's no chocolate, right? There's no real heavy peanuts or anything. It's just all like dried fruits and stuff it's it's called superfoods but anyways yeah that those are good i've i've read online reviews of what bars because you know there's so many of them now and and some of them end up being a freaking snickers bar you know oh yeah for sure Uh uh-huh so so how many would you eat throughout the day Mm, usually anywhere between three or four wow okay that's good stuff and then what uh don't get me wrong i don't want to come off all high and mighty i can smash a shitload of cookies let me tell you you put some chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin cookies in front of me that are probably homemade by mama or somebody well i can probably do a dozen of those in no time well you, no time. you you're burning a lot of calories it sounds like so what what do you like your your workouts with your trainer there an hour long what do you guys do uh so so i do the trainer twice a week uh he's tuesdays and thursdays you know, we'll, we'll do upper body, lower body. Um, so you do a lot of weights and resistance stuff. Uh-huh, a lot of weights, a lot of resistance. Not real heavy, just staying toned. I haven't done much this year, but swimming. You know, every every Wednesday would be a swimming day. Uh, hitting the pool once once a week. And then yoga. You know, I do yoga once a week, too. Nice. Very yeah. nice. Okay, cool. All right, so um, what brings Adam Roach joy? Mm, good question. Watching others, and again, not to sound all uh, uh, sappy, but literally watching others grow. I mean, I, I brought this guy in, in in my office. He's my CFO. He's 28-year-old from South Jersey. He was a wealth management guy, and he really didn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. And you know, I knew, I knew he had more potential in his pinky than probably anybody else I'd surrounded myself with. And, we're at, and, and he'd never made more than I think it was probably $38,000. And I said, listen, man. Sit down, shut up, and let me share some stuff with you. And uh, he had a goal. You know, that goal was to hit $100,000 in 12 months. I said, okay, fine. Here's how we're going to do it. And I'll be damned if he didn't hit $98,000 last year. Mm. Uh, I actually I brought him with me to Whistler. His life was just totally transformed. So what mm. brings me to life is literally just taking the people around me and, and moving them into a space that they never even thought possible. And just watching them grow and watching their life get so damn big that they're like, holy shit, how did that even happen? Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, cool. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So I'm going to hit you uh, with this question. And so far, it's a new question. I've asked it to two people. Both have fucked it up. Okay. okay. So you're going to do this right. Okay. So you're, we're, we're role playing. And then you're in real estate game. You, your agents role play, right? Yep. That means that. You don't talk in the third person. You actually talk to someone on the other line uh-huh. when you're on the phone, right? Yes. Okay. So you're going to role play this. Your answer is a role play. You're talking to someone on the other line. You got okay. this? Got it. And when I ask this question and I say go, I'm not going to speak again. Okay. So you have to go. It's a, The revolver has been shot. You need to go. Okay. You got that, right? 
Uh-huh. All right, you're going to be the first person that did this right. I'm excited. Adam Roach, you're on an airplane. You look out the window. You see smoke. The plane starts to descend. The pilot says, everyone brace for impact. You may use the phone now for 60 seconds before we lose phone capabilities. You pick up the phone. You make one call. Speak, go. Hey, Amanda. It's your brother, Adam. I love you more than anything in this entire world. You bring me joy. Your kids are fabulous. You've been an incredible sister. And I got to let you know, this plane's going down. And I want you to know how much you truly mean to me. You know, from the, from 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 our early days of me kicking your ass and, and uh, you know, being an older five-year-old brother than you to our time learning to water ski and you becoming a state champion and me becoming a state champion and you becoming like a five-time state champion and me only being doing it once. I love watching you grow. Um, now that you're married and you have your two boys and your near-life-death experience, holy shit, don't ever fucking do that again, please. You're amazing. You're, you are an amazing, amazing woman, an amazing mom, an amazing sister, and, and I love you dearly. Don't ever forget that. Whatever you do, don't stop growing those boys. Let them know how big they can get and let them know that their life can be as big as they fucking want it. So let them grow as big as they want to. All right. I'm going down. I love you. The plane's going to catch on fire. Here it goes. It's gonna be, I'm going to go out with a big old boom. I love you. See ya. Bye. Boom. You nailed it, buddy. That was awesome, man. You I nailed it. That was good. That was good. What ha- what happened to your sister? She almost died. She did. Yeah. She. Uh, you know, here's a here's a great story. She. Um, she she's, she's a nurse, and uh, she was having her second son, and she was uh, she had to have an emergency C-section, and after the C-section, she could feel something wasn't right internally. Now, having been in a pediatric area before, she knew that women, you know, can bleed out all the time. And she knew that she could feel something internally wasn't right. So she actually called the doctor back in and said, hey, listen, I probably need you to cut me back open because I can feel something not right. And I think I know what it is. And so sure enough, they, they, uh, they cut her back open. And sure enough, they found that there was, there was um, a nicked, I'm going to get this wrong, but let's just call it a nicked artery of some sort. And uh, she was internally bleeding. And, and they couldn't stop it. And so they, you know, they, they did a lot of, uh, they, they took a vein from her leg and did something and, and then they fucked up her leg and they came out running to us saying, Hey, listen, we either got to, you know, cut your sister's leg or cut your, you know, Amanda's leg off or, or, or we're going to lose her and we're like, you know, do whatever you got to do. So anyway, long story short, uh, they did not have to cut her leg off. They, they fixed it, but she had to have a whole body blood transfusion. She literally lost every ounce of blood in her body. And, uh, I mean, she just, she's a fucking rock star. I mean, they had to take out all of her female parts, uh, to save her at the age of, uh, I think she was like 26 at the time. And, uh, yeah, she survived and, and she looked like shit afterwards, but who cares because she was alive and yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty scary situation. And, and all this time she's under, right? She doesn't know what's going on in any of this. She just wakes yeah. up, went like a couple of weeks exactly. later or what happened? No, let me let me share that. I, I cut that part out. So because she understood what was kind of going on, they she, normally they would put your you under. Now my my stepmother's also a nurse, and she was in the room with my sister, 
And my sister said, don't you dare put me under because I need to be able to communicate to you. So they put the thing down her throat um, or whatever it is. And they, they numbed her up, let's just say locally, if you will. And um, and she was able to communicate with my stepmom via, what do they call it, um, uh, sign language to say what was going on. And she felt that, that and they, they all did, including the doctors, felt that that's what saved her life is because she was able to stay awake and communicate what she was feeling and what she wasn't feeling and how everything was going. And then I'll be damned. She fucking lived. She crushed it. Jeez, and, and you guys were all like outside in the lobby getting ready to celebrate the fact that you had this new nephew and and everything. Right. And you're like, it's a boy. And then next thing you know, a couple minutes later, they're like, wait a minute. You know. Yep. Yep, your sister's dying. Jeez. Yeah, it was crazy. Holy crazy. dirt, yeah. Wow, that's... She, she's alive and kicking well, and she's bought a new house, and uh, <laughs> I had to come real estate-wise through that, and she, she crushed it. She's doing good. That's awesome, man. That's great. That's a good story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. That was, that was for good role play. Yeah, yes, you did it. You nailed it. So everyone has uh, five greatest hits, right? Uh, just like a country music star has a greatest hits album, right? Uh, you're 40 years old, so you got 40 years of potential greatest hits. What would you say your five greatest hits are? Uh, the first one's pretty simple. Is, is, is my kiddos. The second one would be, uh, I'd, I'd say here recently, um, reestablishing relationships with my, with my family. You know, I've always been kind of a lone wolf and get out there and kind of do stuff on my own. And uh, it's been just here recently where I have reestablished uh, the connection with all of them to say, hey, listen, it's okay that I ask for help every once in a while. And they love it. You know, they, they always love it. So that would be the second one. Uh, the third one is is uh, getting the, the, uh, the horizontal income to just south of uh, $80,000 towards what my goal was. Uh, so almost hitting that. Uh, the fourth one would be, you know, being able to move to two, actually three different cities in my lifetime, uh, not knowing really a soul in either city and still growing and, and knocking it out of the park and leaving legacies and all of those. And I'd say, you know, my, my fifth greatest hit was, um, you know, uh, 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 creating a man crush with David Osborne after I saw him on a panel <laughs> and, um, you know, finding GoBundance. I mean, this 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 tribe, my my GoPod, my the events coming to these massive events there literally has transformed not only my life but the way I think, the way that I act, the way that I I live my life. So, you know, if it wasn't for David being on a panel, I think he was on a panel at Family Reunion probably hell five or six years ago, and it was a John Maxwell six uh, no, it was tw John Maxwell twenty one irrefuti irrefutable laws of leadership, and I sat I was front row Joe. And heard David speak on that. Holy <laughs> shit, I walked through fire to hear that guy speak again. I went and introduced myself afterwards. And it just kind of stayed in contact. And the next day I know, he's like, hey, go pay attention to GoBundance. We just created this, and here we are. That's awesome. Well, we, we, we've had several guests on uh, the Grab Life Big Podcast, and you're the first person who put meeting David Osborne as their greatest hit. So I'm sure <laughs> I'll, get, I'll let him know that today, and that's, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so let's talk about uh, some future potential uh greatest hits what would you say the five you know if you have a list of a hundred bucket list items that you want to complete before you die give me the five top ones gotcha okay so uh one is to buy my father uh a jaguar xke 1967 
that's always been his dream car. And on my one sheet, I've got that as number two because number one was to get out to Whistler. Uh, Whistler. Number two is to travel to 25 different countries. Number three is to teach wealth building to college students before I'm 50 years old. And number five would be to uh, donate a million dollars before my 50th birthday. I like it. I like it, man. That's a lots of inspiration there for the go bros to learn from okay so uh it's time to spin uh, the go abundance app and uh pick one of the go abundance cards off of the app are you ready i'm ready adam roach yes describe an intimate detail you losing your virginity Mm, very good. Very simple. It was uh, the day after Christmas. Uh, I was 15 years old. I was on the swim team and the girl was a diver. And um, let's see here. We, <laughs> we, we were in, in a room at a buddy's house and uh, I was a virgin. She was a virgin. And I went right in for the clothes, and I said, do you want to do this? And she's like, well, I think so. And I said, okay, let me ask you again. I think we're going to do this. And she was two years older than I was. And I had no idea how to put the fucking condom on, really. And, and <laughs> oh, went through the process, and, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, holy shit, what, what is this sensation that I'm actually feeling right now? And, uh, you know, it happened. It finished. I, I finished. And I can honestly say that, well, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't quite really know what was going on and finished and left the condom on and walked down to my buddies. And I said, Hey, I think I just got laid. And they're like, bullshit. And I said, look, I still got the condom on. And, uh, sure enough, uh, they were like, okay, congratulations. And then, uh, I think I, I threw it away. And I- <laughs> I don't remember where I put it. You probably threw it at your friend's face, and then he chased you around the block. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the extent of it, and uh, you know that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Here, I left it on for proof. <laughs> like they're like, dude, I don't need to see that. I want to believe you. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. That's funny. Oh my god! Yeah, that that uh, that's so. It was so funny at the time because I had a similar experience, and I didn't know. You know, even. Even to this day, I you yeah. know, I don't know if I was in or out. You know, it was. Yeah. Uh, I, I know it was on. I know I busted, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, but, yep. but, no clue. I had no clue what was going to yeah. happen. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's good. Thanks for sharing that, buddy. Well, this this has been um, a great interview, Adam. Thanks. And now that you know I'm in Charleston a lot, um, we will definitely get together and uh, be breaking some bread in the near future, my friend. Let's do it, brother. I can't wait. Look forward to it. I'll see you. Thanks, Pat. Grab life big. 